Joe and Amber, the podcast. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Welcome to the show. Alongside Michael Rothstein, I'm Joe Fortinball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, which is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Patriots 3, Texans nothing. Six minutes to go, second quarter. Pretty much all the information you need right there. There's not a whole lot else that I would need to tell you to understand exactly how this thing is playing out in preseason week one. C.J. Stroud didn't look good. No one's really looked good outside of some defenders. More on that later. Davis Mills playing in this game. Incredible neck. Stumbled into a conversation about the neck Hall of Fame. Takeo Spikes, Merton Hanks. More on that later. This is a story I've been dying to get to. So I want to get right to it. I want to set the stage. And then we'll bring in Michael Rothstein. Billy Walters is arguably, depending on who you talk to, the greatest sports better of all time. I am here in Las Vegas. I know all the stories and the legend of Billy Walters. Anyone who's in this space, we know all about Billy, okay? He was featured on 60 Minutes years ago where he took you behind the scenes a little bit. Billy has a new book coming out. A lot of us are very excited to read it. An excerpt dropped today. It's all about his friend Phil Mickelson, where he basically just blows the lid on Phil's gambling. The book goes on to say, among other things, that in the last three decades, Mickelson has wagered over $1 billion on sports. That's a B, as in boy, a billion dollars. Now, not lost, but wagered over a billion dollars on sports. Lost nearly $100 million gambling. In 2011, he averaged nine bets a day. There was a single day where he made 43 Major League Baseball bets. Just in case you don't understand the math, there aren't 43 Major League Baseball games in a day ever, so he was having multiple bets on games. <laughs> Billy claims he tried to bet $400,000 on the 2012 Ryder Cup, to which he told Phil they couldn't do it. They'd end up getting in trouble. They'd get caught. Now, Phil wanted to bet, according to Billy, on the United States team, which ended up losing in an epic Sunday collapse during the singles competition. Um, Phil came out today and said he's never bet on the Ryder Cup. Rory McIlroy somehow was asked about this recently. It's kind of hilarious. He says, well, you know, Phil's not in the Ryder Cup this year, so I guess he can bet on it. He takes a shot at Phil. But this whole thing is just wild, Michael Rothstein, wild. Like, you've seen some of the details that have come out about Phil's alleged gambling per Billy Walters. What I mean, like, what stands out the most to you? Well, first of all, let's be clear. When we say friend, we're using air quotes here now because it is very clear these two are no longer friends. They are no longer acquaintances. If they saw each other in public, you might have to wonder if one of them would spit on the other and then just continue walking because that's basically (laughs) where they are at this point. There is clearly no love lost or gained or shared between any of them the whole thing is fascinating to me first of all when phil mickelson was asked about this recently apparently and this was this is from the story that is on espn.com i'm going to read this two months ago while responding to a question on social media about his gambling addiction mickelson said quote haven't gambled in years almost a billionaire now thanks for asking and then we find out that he gambled almost a billion dollars so man you could have had buy an NFL team money if you did not do this. Like, that's where it is right now here for Phil Mickelson. I mean, there's stories about that's why Phil had to sell his private jet because he got jammed up in this whole thing. He's talked about how he's gone to therapy for it. It's just fascinating. Some of the details 
to, to highlight how these two, because this is a key part to the story, probably in the, in the eyes of many of you, how would Phil Mickelson get linked up with one of the most notorious and successful sports bettors in the world? Here's kind of how it went down. They met at, I can't even remember what the event was, but the point was Phil as a gambler knew about Billy and he wanted access to Billy's picks, right? If Billy's a winner and he's one of the best to do it, you'd want to know who he's on, right? Well, Billy's not just going to give that information away. So they're going to form a partnership. Phil basically became Billy Walter's beard. What that is is sports betting is when you are really successful, like Billy Walter's, sports books will either ban you from betting in their shops or they will severely limit your play to maybe like 100 bucks a bet, which is not worth it to Billy Walter's. So what you need to do is find individuals who can bet on your behalf. And when you want to get down a lot of money, the best thing you can do is partner up with people who are famous, who have lots of money. Phil Mickelson, I'm just going to throw names out here. Any, any, actually, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Hollywood celebrities, musicians, because these people coming in trying to bet $100,000 on a game, it wouldn't raise any alarms. You might see, you know, uh, actually, I still don't want to do it. I'll just say Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm just using the name. I'm not accusing him of anything. But if like Schwarzenegger came in wanting to bet $100,000, no one's going to bat an eye. They know he's got the money and they know he's not a professional gambler. So it's like, sure, let's take his action. That's how Phil could help Billy and how Billy could help Phil. So that's how those two got linked up. Um, Just fascinating at the idea of 43 bets in one day. Like Michael Rothstein, if you're going to make 43 bets in one day on one sport, what do you think that sport would be? It it would probably, well... It would be one of two sports, Joe. It would be either the NCAA tournament during the first day of March Madness. Because if you bet every game and then maybe you make some halftime bets, you make some prop bets there, you can get there because you've got 16 games in a day. And the other thing would actually be early rounds of like Wimbledon or the U.S. Open or something because there's so many matches. And if you know what you're doing in tennis, there maybe is some advantage for you there that I would consider doing that. That's where I would go. And just in terms of sheer volume and also what I'm interested in in terms of uh, gaming, for lack of a better term. See, that's interesting because I put this out on Twitter earlier. I've asked a lot of people this today, and their answer is is always well-measured in terms of finding a high-volume event. Some will say, hey, Saturday college football, you have all these games all day. It wouldn't be hard to get 43 bets down. I look at it differently. I'm looking at how I can create the most crazy and chaotic experience (laughs) <laughs> and I think a 15-fight UFC card, five early prelims, five prelims, yep. five on the main event, 15 fights, 43 bets across 15 fights. I think that would be an incredible rush, an incredible rush. I think if you were going to do it, it would shave some months off your life, but it would yeah. be awesome. Well, uh, you could have done it a couple of weeks ago because you had a UFC pay-per-view card and you had Spence Crawford the same night. So if you want to combine combat sports into one, you could have – you could have done that easily. Trust me, I, I tried. I was at the Crawford <laughs> fight, and I was streaming the UFC fight while I was there. I tried. You don't have to tell me about that <laughs> night. I think I got close. I was on air that night. Myra and Metcalf and I were hosting a fight night here on ESPN Radio, and we were very much watching all of that unfold at the same time. It, it, was, it was an intense evening if you like combat sports. Nick Cardi, our producer, if you were going to make 43 bets on one sport in one day, what would the sport be? Uh, I like the idea of baseball. I think the live action you can do in a full slate on a Saturday or Sunday, I feel like you could get it done. Is Cam back there as well? He is. I know he likes to dabble. Cam, 43 bets in one day on one sport. What would you choose? 
easily NBA. That's where I make my money at. So, I'll oh yeah, NBA. oh yeah, yeah that's uh, where I make the money new at. Billy Walters, ladies and gentlemen. Look Apparently. out, new Billy Walters. I, I just want to know if Nick Cardi wants to bet on two thousand yard receivers, though. Well, you want to make <laughs> oh, forty three yeah. bets on that? I forgot about that. We have to pay that off. So there has never been a two thousand <laughs> yard receiver, although you very confidently said that there was. Your very- thoughts on that? If you include the playoffs, I was right. No, that's no, not. That, no, that's not? also not how we that goes. This isn't, college, this isn't college football, Cardi. Well, a wise man once said, it's not a lie if I believe it. And I believe Cooper <laughs> Cup got 2,000 yards, so thank you. It's Stop playing Madden, Cardi. That's the only place that that happened for you. <laughs> all right, we all know Patrick Mahomes, widely considered by many to be the best player in the NFL. But we're going to tell you why the Kansas City Chiefs will not win the Super Bowl this coming season. That's next. He's Michael Rothstein. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Joe and Amber podcast. I don't want to alarm anybody, but it's possible that your boy, me, Joe Fortenball, is going to run the table in the NFL this year. Last week, we told you in the Hall of Fame game, bet the over, boom, get paid. Tonight, it was the first half under. Very specific, strategic wager, 19 it's 3 nothing Patriots with 15 seconds to go. Houston's driving. Who cares? If I mush this by celebrating this, it's an all-time great mush. He's Michael Rothstein. I'm Joe Fortenball. Thank you for joining us on Joe and Amber ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. We're going to try something new tonight. New little segment we've been toying with. It's why it's called why your team won't win the Super Bowl. And we're going to start and we're going to focus with two teams that I'll name in just a Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The moment. Why your team won't win the Super Bowl. Oh, no! We suck again! With Joe and Amber. There's a chance we won't win? (laughs) (laughs) Getting Homer Simpson in there was fantastic. All right, so we're going to focus on two teams and why they won't win the Super Bowl this year. 
pretty simple to break down. Michael Rothstein, I'm going to open it up with you. Team number one, we're going to start with the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs. If the Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl this year, why will that be? Two reasons. Well, uh, three reasons. All right, already, <laughs> already I'm ending. One, we all know it is so hard to repeat in the NFL. That's why we don't see it more often. We don't see dynasties very often in the NFL that are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It's more three Super Bowls over a seven-year period, that sort of thing. That's reason number one. Reason number two, there should be some concern about the interior of this defense. We all know Chris Jones hasn't participated yet in camp. They've already had some other injuries there on the defensive line. While the rest of that defense is really good, this is a stacked AFC, and you've got to play teams like Buffalo, like Cincinnati, like potentially the Jets with Brees Hall. That concerns me as well. And the third piece of it is this, their run game. At some point, they're going to get into a situation where they're really going to have to run the ball. I like Isaiah Pacheco a lot. However, that is not the same level of caliber of back comparative to their passing offense. So if you get in a situation where you need to run, say it's a bad weather game at Buffalo, say Buffalo it ends up having home field advantage on you, that can cause problems in the AFC title game or AFC divisional round. That would be Those would be my three reasons, Joe. In order to win a Super Bowl, you need everything to go in your favor. Everything. It's not just about having a good culture, a smart head coach, a really great quarterback. Those things are just obvious. But you also need to catch breaks along the way. You need to stay healthy. Some teams get derailed immediately because of health. Some teams have extraordinary health. The Philadelphia Eagles were one of the healthiest teams in the NFL last year. It's a big reason why they got to the NFC Championship game, won, and then advanced to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs stayed healthy last year, but on top of that, they found their way to the number one seed. They earned it, yes. But if you don't get that one seed, you don't get the bye. You don't get home field advantage. So you're operating at a major disadvantage. And then look at these three playoff games. They beat Jacksonville 27-20. Mahomes got hurt in that game. If it's not the Jags throwing up all over themselves, the Chargers go in there and win that game. If the Chargers hadn't blown it to the Jags the week before, I'm confident they would have taken Kansas City out. But it was Jacksonville. They couldn't figure it out. They were overwhelmed by the moment. So be it. The next week, they play the Cincinnati Bengals. They win 23-20 in the AFC Championship game. A lot of questionable officiating in that game. And then the Super Bowl against Philadelphia, the Eagles literally needed to give up a score on every single second-half possession. The defense needed to completely melt down in order for them to come back and win that game. They earned it for sure. But it's very difficult to check all those boxes, to get the one seed, to have home field advantage, to stay healthy, to eke by everybody even when things are going wrong. That's why Kansas City's not going to be able to do it. To replicate that luck for a second consecutive year is too much. Why your team won't win the Super Bowl, part two. Let's go to the NFC, their champion from last year, the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Rothstein, why won't Philly win the Super Bowl this year? Well, we haven't seen a Super Bowl runner-up make a deep run other than the Cincinnati Bengals last year, but they did not get back to the Super Bowl. Like you talked about with the Kansas City Chiefs, it's incredibly hard to win your conference in back-to-back years. So... Can the Philadelphia Eagles do it? Yes, but they need everything to go right. They need Jalen Hurts to play at an MVP level again. Also, remember, they moved on from Miles Sanders. He's now in Carolina. They like a multifaceted running approach, but they're putting a lot of stock in a guy named DeAndre Swift who can't quite stay healthy. I have some concerns there. Plus, remember, they on defense, 
with their rotational players went all in with guys like Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. You need to find those types of players again, kind of in that midseason situation to make this work to have that type of depth. Those are my concerns there. Plus, San Francisco was arguably the best team in the NFC last year. They just had major, major quarterback issues. If they can get a full season out of Brock, absolutely not a cute story, Purdy, <laughs> then the San Francisco 49ers, to me, are the team to beat in the NFC. He's Michael Rossi, and I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. So with Philadelphia, I mentioned earlier how fortunate they were from a health perspective last year, one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. They also had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL. That is not going to happen again this season. It was an extremely weak schedule. Every single week it felt like they were in a great situation against an average to below average team where they were laying a ton of points and they would go out there and handle their business. They lost both of their coordinators, offensive and defensive. Steichen, the offensive coordinator, took off for the Indianapolis Colts. Defensive coordinator took off for the Arizona Cardinals. So you've got the health concern. You've got the schedule concern. You've got the loss of the coordinators. They're good. The NFC isn't very deep this year. There's going to be a lot of opportunity. The ability to keep Jalen Hurts healthy is a concern of mine. I think just a handful of things that worked in their favor last year aren't going to work in their favor this year. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Niners game. People remember that for two reasons. One, Philadelphia appeared to put it on him when you look at the final score and two, all the injuries to the quarterback position to where Christian McCaffrey was taking snaps for the Niners. Jalen Hurts did not look good in that game. He ran well. He did not throw well in that game. He was repeatedly just taking shots down the sideline because he was worried about going over the middle of the field. The Niners were confident they were going to win that game. And then the health bug bit him at quarterback and everything fell apart. Watch out for that team this year. It's going to be a much tougher road. But we obviously, with this segment, why your team won't win the Super Bowl, wanted to start with the two teams that represented their conferences last year because those are going to be some of the hardest cases to make overall. Who would you say is more likely to go back to the Super Bowl if we were to flip this around between these two, two, those two teams? Oh, the Chiefs, because they've shown every year that they're going to at least be in the conference title game. That's what we've seen largely under Patrick Holmes. There's one point, Joe, I, I want to get to before we end this segment, because when you were breaking down the, the Chiefs last season, you said you were confident that the Chargers would have knocked off the Chiefs in that scenario. What have the Chargers done to engender this type of confidence? Are you the one guy who believes in the Chargers? First of all, not anymore. I'm not falling for the banana in the tailpipe. So the answer there is no. I, I used to believe in them in the past. The one reason I brought that up is because they always play Kansas City hard. Always. That's the thing. They can, they can let you down everywhere. They can come up short everywhere. Every gambler knows that when it comes to Charger Chiefs games, the Chargers always put on a show against Kansas City. You can get some good point spread covers. You can get some good outright wins. And I think that would have been the game where with the Mahomes injury, and I believe it was Chad Henney stepping in in the second half, I think the Chargers wouldn't have been able to get him because they've been at Arrowhead before. They would have been able to handle it. But, you know, they didn't make it. They blew a 27 nothing lead to the Jaguars and let the Jags go, and then the Jags couldn't handle their business. All right. This could be the last season of Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, but will it be any different than the seasons we've seen previous to this? ESPN Radio's NFL Two-A-Days is next. He's Michael Rothstein. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. 
NFL Nation Two a Day on ESPN Radio. The Minnesota Vikings. This is Kevin Seifert covering the Vikings. There might be other Vikings camp storylines with more relevance specifically to the 2023 season, but in the big picture, nothing is more important than answering whether Kirk Cousins, whose contract expires next spring, can compel the team to extend his deal. That question will hover over every day of the Vikings' summer, fall, and winter. Cousins did find a groove during the second half of last season, and there is hope that he will carry that into training camp and the regular season this year. If so, the Vikings likely will try to bring him back for 2024 and possibly beyond. But if he does not, or he simply shows his age, he'll turn 35 in August after all, the Vikings will go into scramble mode next winter. Veteran backup Nick Mullins is not a likely heir, and unless fifth-round rookie Jaron Hall puts on a show in training camp, the team will be forced to find a new immediate starter. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. All right, along Michael Rothstein, I'm Joe Fortinball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Two-A-Days continues fascinating team to discuss right now the minnesota vikings they come out of nowhere last year to win 13 games they go 13 and 4 absolutely blowing the doors off of any projection anyone had on this team in kevin o'connell's first year on the job as the head coach right then they go to the playoffs they host the giants who were who were good better than expected the giants were not a great team they were a good team and they just get their face kicked in at home in their own building And that's that. So we're going to go through some of that to project what's going to happen this year. But first, let's set the stage in the eyes of Vegas. This year, Minnesota, 40-1 to to win the Super Bowl, 16-1 to to win the AFC, 3-1 to to win the NFC North. I meant to say NFC, not AFC previously. What do we make of this team this year, Michael Rothstein? Because there's a lot from last year you look at and you say, man, this team's got some, some moxie. They've got some spunk. And then there are a lot of indicators that the bottom's going to fall out this year. First of all, you, you left our producer, Nick Cardi, smarting the fact that you brought up the Giants with the Vikings, even though the Giants won that game. So he was pretty excited about that. But you yeah. call them a good team. Maybe he should have been there. And I could see his face. I read his facial expression. But the Minnesota Vikings are, they are a prime candidate to have a massive regression this year because – I don't know if I have much confidence in Alexander Madison. We haven't really seen it on a major level. They obviously moved on from Dalvin Cook. We know Justin Jefferson's good. We know TJ Hawkinson is good. Is Kirk Cousins going to be able to replicate some of this again? I, I don't know. That, that's a major question mark because we've seen Kirk Cousins be good Kirk Cousins, and we've seen Kirk Cousins be bad Kirk Cousins. And we saw that all in that one game in the playoffs, too. Defensively, they feel a little old. They feel like they are still hanging on a little bit with Harrison Smith, with Daniil Hunter. I'm just not sold there. And at 3-1, to I'm not taking them because I'm a believer in the Detroit Lions. They're going to win this division. All right. Here's what's fascinating about Minnesota. 13-4 and last year. On the surface, that looks incredible when you consider the fact that Kansas City went 14-3 and and the Bengals went 12-4. and but if you go 13-4 and four in a season over those 17 games, how many points do you would think you would outscore the opposition by, right? Like if you're 13-4, and four, you should outscore them by maybe 150 total points. The Vikings went 13-4 and four and got outscored by three points. How the hell does the other team score three more points than you over 17 games when you go 13-4? and four? That is a huge red flag. 
as is the fact that the Vikings went 11-0 and in one-score games last season, games decided by eight or fewer points. That is a huge red flag because if we're large enough sample size, caught 500, 1,000 games, you should be right around 500 in one-score games. For every time you kick a game-winning field goal, the opponent's going to do that to you. For every time you drive 75 yards down the field for a game-winning touchdown, the opponent's going to do that to you. So if you're on one end of the spectrum, 11-0 in one-score games, 0-8 in one-score games, you should regress to the mean the following season. Now, your point about the defense, they were lousy last year, absolutely abysmal. So they fired Ed Donatel, and they brought in Brian Flores, the former head coach of the Miami Dolphins. If that defense gets better to go along with an offense that should score a lot of points, I could see them threatening a playoff spot right again. But the math on everything else indicates that this team's headed for a step backwards, so I don't think I can get behind them to win the division. I could say a wild card spot at best. I wouldn't be surprised at 6-11 and 11 at worst. Do you think any of that's off base? No, I, I do not think any of that is off base. Remember, this is a team who last year was trailing. Now they won this game 39-36, but they were trailing the Jeff Saturday coached Indianapolis Colts 30 30- Three nothing at the end of the first half. I'm sorry. Did you watch the Colts last year? I, I watched if, that game. If, that so did just... I. I was in New Orleans uh, because the Falcons were playing the Saints. And if you if you trail the the Indianapolis Colts thirty three nothing last year, you were playing with fool's gold if your record was good because the Colts were atrocious. So yeah, I'm not buying any of it. They just. They, they strike me as one of those teams that's not going to go first to worst because the Bears are in their division and we have no idea what to make of the Packers, but they are not the favorites at all. I, and if they were in the AFC, we'd be talking about a team that might win seven games. I think the Packers are sneaky. I'm going to be completely really? honest. I've talked about this before. They were 5-1 to one to win the division a few weeks ago. That number's gone. There are professionals that have hit that number because let's ask ourselves, why are you projected to finish last in the division? Why do you have the worst odds? Well, it's because Aaron Rodgers left. You lost a Hall of Fame quarterback, and Jordan Love isn't very good. Ask ourselves if that line of thinking is correct because we've only seen, I believe, 83 career passes out of Jordan Love. What happens if Jordan Love is slightly above average? What if Jordan Love is good? The Packers are in play. They've got a decent enough defense. They've got some weapons on that team. The offensive line's okay. If Jordan Love is above average, they are going to threaten that division because it's not the AFC North. The Lions should be good. I don't think they're going to be elite. The Bears are a three-win team from last year. They'll be better. They're not going to be elite. Minnesota, we just talked about, is going to take a step back. I think it's important that people not sleep on the Packers. And if Jordan Love stinks and the Packers are terrible – Completely disregard the fact that I said this over the last few days. It's the end of summer. We're just getting the takes out there. But the other part with the Packers, and this is why you might not be wrong, even if Jordan Love is below average, is they might have the best running game in the NFC North when you look at the combination of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Like, those two guys can carry you if your quarterback is not good because you can lean on that. You also play in a cold-weather situation where – it, I, have you been to Lambeau, Joe? Because I've, co- I've covered a lot of I have of not. Sadly, co- I have not. I've covered a lot of Packers-Lions games in December and January at Lambeau. And let me tell you, it is a miserable place to be. Not because of the Packers. The Packers, are, it's a great stadium. Lambeau's iconic. But that wind, the, that wind chill, that cold, it, it makes you not want to like exist in the state of Wisconsin. So that's a tough place to play if you have to go there late in the season. So that's another reason why they could be tricky 
in the NFC North. I, I, you, you've kind of sold me a little bit on this. What is the, what's the press box like there? Because I know if you call the game, if you're one of the broadcasters calling the game, it's open windowed. Like you're not yeah. in a warm booth calling the game. That window's open, so you're all bundled up. You're freezing your rear end off out there. It is not like that for us um, ink-stained wretches. We have a nice enclosed <laughs> press box. There's some brats in there. There's an omelet station if they're playing a noon game. But if you look at it, by the way, we're ta- I just want to pull up their schedule real quick, that the cold weather portion of that may not come into play because their schedule ends like this. At the New York Giants, home against Tampa Bay, and they should be able to beat Tampa anyway because Tampa's going to be bad. At Carolina, at Minnesota, home against Chicago. And again, Chicago is not expected to be good. So they don't necessarily get to take advantage of that cold weather cold weather help, I'll call it, at the end of the season like they have in prior years when they had A.A. Ron. All right, you've been on the beat. For those who don't know, when you cover a team, you're up in the press box. They, they feed you. They do a nice job. They, they lay out these buffets. Every city kind of puts their own twist on certain things. So I remember covering games in Philadelphia. You'd have soft pretzels out there, which is big in Philadelphia. You'd have cheesesteaks that would be served. What of all the press boxes that you've been to, when it comes to the food, who did you like going to the most? Oh, the best is by far Dallas. I mean, there are some really? that are really good. Atlanta does it does it right they have a soft serve ice cream machine but dallas dallas is tough to beat that should not surprise you considering it's uh you know jerry jones i'll tell you the barbecue uh they'll they'll have they have a mix of everything they have carving stations but it's like legit good carving stations they have like three or four options i can't eat gluten so like i'm paying attention to that too and what i can eat they Uh, always they always have a really sharp menu there i will tell you who the worst is and i have no problem saying this uh, on air, it, it is Chicago. Chicago, and I used to go there every year. No, you kidding me? The Bears? Oh, they, their their spread was was rough. Put some man. deep dish out there. Put some. It was, uh, and it wasn't even the gluten. It wasn't even the gluten thing. It's just, man, I, I wanted no part of that. I, I I would always eat before and eat after, and I tried to do that anyway. But man, that was that was some rough stuff. What was so bad about it? It was like warmed over eggs. It was. It was. Uh, I just Come on, Chicago, about it. pick it up. This is why you're winning three games a year. All right, more on that in a little bit. We stumbled into something earlier. Davis Mills playing quarterback for the Houston Texans in this preseason game tonight. Texans lead seven three. It's been spectacularly awful in virtually every regard. Even the touchdown that was scored was ridiculous. <laughs> we were talking about necks. Davis Mills has a fantastic neck. We put it out to you guys, the Neck Hall of Fame. We have gotten some incredible submissions. I got a list of like 11 right now that are all fantastic. Your calls on this next. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. The first ever Neck Hall of Fame induction ceremony. He's Michael Rothstein. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber. And yeah, we're being serious. So call the show here on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Outstanding to have you with us this evening. He's Michael Rothstein. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Houston Texans 7, New England Patriots 3. About eight minutes to go in the third quarter of what you would have expected from preseason game number one. Quite sloppy, but that's all right. Sloppy football, better than no football. And the sloppy football means we're getting close to the good competitive football which is right around the corner especially the college football 
uh, Ireland hosting Navy and Notre Dame. I think that's like two weeks away. It is time to get fired up. Actually, that might be – is that next week or is that two weeks? No, it's two weeks. Two weeks? All right, I got to get organized here. I got to get real organized. All right, serious business. Davis Mills is quarterbacking the Houston Texans right now. Stumbled into a conversation earlier. Actually, that might not be Mills because that neck is way too short. No, so it's could be Case someone. Keenum. It's yeah, Case I Keenum. I knew it. Now. I could see a short <laughs> neck from here, and when I see a short neck, I know it is not Davis Mills. That's the topic of conversation. We talk about how glorious the neck was, and then we stumbled into a neck Hall of Fame conversation. I'm going to read some of the names that we've gotten from you via Twitter, via the phones tonight. Merton Hanks, Mike Lennon, Davis Mills, Takeo Spikes, Paul Puslesny, Henry Rollins. Apparently it was nothing but football guys, and then Henry Rollins comes out of left field. All right, Rollins, man, I'm down with it. Roman Harper, Chris Bosch, that's from you, Rothstein. Drew Brees from you as well. Charles McDowell, not an athlete at all. I think it's a mugshot. Google it if you don't know it. It is an extraordinary neck. So you know what? Here it is. First ever induction into the next Hall of Fame. Phone lines are open, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Doesn't just have to be football players. Use your imagination. Michael Rothstein, you've got some that I haven't mentioned yet, you're saying? I, I have one that I've been sitting on now for about an hour. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and, it's, and I felt really, really good about it because also it's a neck that is in somewhat famous because of, of the turtleneck that has been on it. And that, of course, is the one, the only, The Rock. Because The Rock, if you the look rock. at it, look, go, go Google it. His neck in college was good enough to have the turtleneck, which is that famous picture with the, the chain that he's then made up. But if you look at him when he's now obviously, you know, the rock, he has no neck now. It is very confusing. And the maturation of the neck or disappearance of the neck, as it were, uh, has fascinated me. He's in, the, he's in the neck hall of fame. This is good. I'm looking at different iterations of his neck throughout his life. And lots of them check the boxes. There's versions that are kind of like Poslesny, where the traps are so big, it's basically just ears into shoulders. There's nothing but trap muscles. Then there's an elongated, giraffe-like, Davis Mills-like neck in a picture that appears to be Fast and the Furious, but I'm not sure. That's a story for another day. There's the famous turtleneck picture with the fanny pack. Outstanding there. All right, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. I can get behind it. Let's go to the people. Neck Hall of Fame. Matt, Arizona. Who are you nominating? Man, you, you said it, but I think it was because I called it in and said it. The reigning, undisputed, undefeated neck Hall of Fame champion, Mr. Takeo Spikes. He could knock you out with his neck like a Mike Tyson knockout punch. Bro. Great call. Great <laughs> call. That, I don't think a single person has received more votes than Takeo Spikes. Is there? You go through the yeah. Twitter thread and the mentions, also the calls we've taken throughout the night. Spikes is like the runaway favorite. Oh, he totally is. And by the way, he also mentioned another guy who could potentially be in this conversation in Mike Tyson. Because if you go look at Mike Tyson and his neck or lack thereof, as you're going to get with many heavyweight fighters, he, he fits in this too. This is just outstanding work. Sports radio talk at its finest. Neck Hall of Fame, Josh in Georgia. Thank you for the phone call, Josh. What do you got for us? Yeah, I was going to go to KO Stocks as well. This is incredible. Been taken. I would submit. He broke up on the second one. That's unfortunate, but we still got the key one. We is did. this it? Is it? We, we specifically told our producer, Nick Cardi, do not put the name that these people, these callers are going to nominate. Are they all Takeo they all Takeo Spikes? <laughs> they are not all, but I'd say most of the phone calls I've picked up have been for Spikes. 
Oh, my God. So we've been to Arizona. We've been to Georgia. Let's go north in South Dakota. Bob, Bob, your nomination for the Neck Hall of Fame. A phone call I never thought I would make in my life, gentlemen. Nice topic. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my vote's going to go to Keith Van Horn, especially back in the Utah Jays with that red jersey. And that long neck, you pair his neck with Peyton Manning's forehead, and heck, they could probably rival Sean Bradley for height. That is exquisite. The oh. great state of South Dakota coming through in a big way. I got a picture of it right here. How we have not gotten a Keith Van Horn recommendation before this is beyond me. That's a neck right there. It that is. Are you looking at it? I, well, no. So if you go to if you Google Keith Van Horn and then you go to images, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but if you look at the fourth image in, there's a picture of him all excited with the nets, and he's got the elongated neck with the open mouth. I mean, bravo, Keith Van Horn. I would also say that if we were to talk about the Adam's Apple Hall of Fame, Van Horn's going for that as well. Because I got a couple pictures right here. That Adam's Apple is extremely pronounced. <gasps> that thing is like a grapefruit. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? I, I am, but there's also this. I, and I, I'm clicking on this just to make sure it's the same Keith Van Horn because it is. And if you look now, if you go to KeithVanHorn.com and you see Keith Van Horn's About Me picture, his neck is gone. This is an interesting twist. Oh, yeah, there it is. Well, didn't find myself. I did not project myself to be on KeithVanHorn.com tonight, but yet here we are living that dream. I yeah, mean, you're right. Yeah. The neck is gone a little bit. Keith Van Horn, if you're listening. I, I know. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here because we've had luck with this before. Keith Van Horn, if you're listening, we got like a minute and a half left in the show. Give us a call, 888-C-ASPN. Yeah, tell us that, that something's wrong with that image. Please tell us the neck isn't gone. Don in Oakland, the town. Don, welcome to the show. What's good? Neck Hall of Fame, who do you got? So first off, Joe, you were casting aspersions earlier this week on college football fans in the Bay Area. There are dozens of us, literally dozens of us. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I think I met all of you while I was living there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Um, uh, Brian Bosworth, old school. Oh, the Bos. That's a good call. Yeah. He was he was the picture of like why my dad told me don't take any performance enhancing drugs. So that <laughs> neck went right to the Mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> That's back yeah, PEDs were something else back then, baby. They were something else. Great call. Jeff in Auburn. Jeff, thanks for the phone call. Shoot your shot. Neck Hall of Fame. Who's your nomination? Maybe the boss needed uh that neck when Bo Jackson clipped him on the uh, goal line that day. <laughs> but I'm from War Eagle Country and there's only one a- there's only one answer to the question. And that's the Keo Spike. Straight Keo head Just fantastic. Mike in Saratoga. Mike, thanks for the phone call. Neck Hall of Fame, who's your nomination? Well, I had both Tyson and I had Evander Holyfield, but someone just said Tyson. But uh, those necks were like 23 inches, <laughs> like five. Holyfield yeah, I'm was so surprised that nobody said it. Yeah. Holyfield, all traps. Incredible traps. One last one. Mike in Arizona. Do we have one more? Mike, shoot your shot. We're up against it. Mike in Arizona? Yeah, it's got to be Mr. Big Sexy himself, Bartolo Colon. That guy's got just a head (laughs) on top of the That's a perfect way to end the show. That's it. We're done. (laughs) Freddie and Fitzsimmons are coming up next. He's Michael Rothstein. I'm Joe Thornball. Thanks for the calls. Thanks for listening. We love you guys. We'll catch you tomorrow night on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. 
Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.